You're listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast, where you'll learn step-by-step how to meet and seduce beautiful women, whether you're looking for one night of fun, a week-long fling, or a long-term relationship. I'm your host, Trip, and the episode starts now. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. You know, we meet women, and sometimes we end up falling so hard for them that we don't take the time to overlook the red flags. And sometimes we don't pay attention to some things about a woman where you think, oh, maybe this is not a big deal because there's so many other great qualities. But then it turns out after dating them that those qualities that you looked over were kind of deal breakers that you just didn't know in that moment. And so on today's episode, I want to talk about deal breakers. I want to talk about non-negotiables. I want to talk about some of these things. And what's cool too, in this episode, I have a little chat with my friend Jonathan and I. I've brought him on several times on the on the podcast. He's a dating coach for women. That's not actually why I have him on the podcast. He's also a friend and he's active in his dating life. So he's a guy who's going out and meeting women and he's a little bit older. He's in his 50s, but he, you know, dates women too in their 30s and 40s and and 50s. But either way, what happens with him is something that would happen to anybody, doesn't matter what age you are. And so I wanted him to real-time share the story with me and share the story with you. So I did a little chat with him that I recorded where he talks about his personal experience with meeting a woman online and then starting to quickly discover some red flags. And I think it's a really cool story because I want it to inspire you to look a little bit closer and be a little bit more tough on the women that you date. Meaning I want you to look at the women that you're meeting and not just think about their looks and not just think about uh, some of the superficial stuff. But I want you to think about who they are as a person because if you're looking for a long-time monogamous relationship, if that is you, then you're going to have to find someone who has a lot of really positive qualities where it's important. And so I want you to listen to what he has to say in terms of his experience, because you might go through the same thing here. Now, here's the thing. You're going to hear him talk about um, nothing completely mind-blowing in terms of like, whoa, what a red flag he discovered. It's something kind of small, but it's still really important. And I wouldn't have had this story on here if I didn't think it was important because you're going to want to find a woman who does not possess the quality that he discovers in the woman that he talked to. So hope that gives you a little bit of a heads up. Now, I'm going to teach you in just a second here some really good things in terms of how to spot red flags. So what do you do? Like how, how do you look for these? Like what's, what's the process in looking for these? And it's, it's fairly simple. Now, if you need help where we figure out what kind of woman is going to be best for you and then how to spot the red flags in your specific dating life when you go out and meet women, I can help you do that too. That just boils down to you applying for coaching. And if you're interested in that, all you have to do is go to coachedbytrip.com. 
When you go to coachedbytrip.com, you'll see an application form where you can apply for coaching and you and I can talk about how to sift through the red flags because there's general red flags, but then there's also a red flag specific to people because everyone's looking for a specific type of woman and looking for something that's going to be more compatible to them. So let's just say, for example, you're looking for someone of the same religion. Well, it's going to be a red flag if that woman doesn't have the same religion as you, right? So again, it's very specific to you. I'll also be going over on this episode a few uh, of the regular red flags to kind of look out for that are also helpful. But again, if you need help specific, don't worry. There is an option for you. I can get on the phone with you and we can go over this. Or if you just need any help in general with dating, attraction, meeting women, putting yourself out there, getting held accountable to do approaches and also being taught how to do it properly, just apply. Coachedbytrip.com. And I'd be happy to help you. And you'll get a text or an email from me to set you up for an initial free call where we figure out the best game plan for you. Now, red flags. Okay, red flags, red flags. So how do you look for red flags? It's very simple. You got to have a conversation. You got to talk to the women that you're dating. And I know that's fairly obvious, like, duh, trip, like, what else are we doing? We're talking, right? Um, Of course, you could be having sex or doing other things. But when you're getting to know someone, you are talking to them. So if you're talking to them, it should be pretty easy, right? Red flags will just come up. Well, not necessarily. You might want to be asking them questions. You want to be asking them questions and figuring out who this person is. The whole idea behind dating, the whole idea is to sift through and figure out what person is compatible. I was talking about this with, uh, with my brother actually just recently, and I kind of boiled it down to two things. When you're looking for a woman, you want chemistry and compatibility. So when we're talking about red flags and things like that, We're talking about the compatibility portion. Chemistry is just you being attracted and interested in them, right? My brother went on a date and he said, you know, Trip, wow, this girl is really great. She had all these great qualities. She seems like a catch. She's very pretty, but there just wasn't a spark there. Like, I don't feel very attracted to her, very interested in her. I don't know what it is. I said, you know what? That's just chemistry. You had compatibility. Well, so far, right? The first date he said it went well, but you didn't have chemistry. You need both. So with the compatibility portion, you're figuring out the red flags. You're asking a lot of questions. You're asking about, you know, what they've been through in their life. You're asking what their family life looks like. You're asking them about their struggles. You're asking them about their accomplishments, their goals. Of course, you're not going to be asking in that kind of way where it's like an interview where you feel like you're interviewing her for a job, but in a weird way, you kind of are, right? So you're not going to be saying, hey, what are your goals in the next five years? What's your five-year plan? But you can say, hey, what are some things that you're working on right now? Do you have anything that you're trying to accomplish anytime soon? Is there anything cool that you're working on that you're interested in? Right? So there's always ways to kind of make the questions sound more casual. What the point is, is you want to ask questions and get to know them. And so it's kind of two-part, right? You're going to have to figure out what it is that you're looking for in a woman. And again, that's some of the stuff that I I say I help you with in terms of uh, doing the coaching together. But this is stuff that you got to figure out. What is it that you're looking for using my three non-negotiable method? The three non-negotiables are the three things that you're looking for in a woman. If she doesn't have those three things, it is a red flag. So she has to be compatible 
in those ways. But then there's also the typical red flags. I've talked about some of these things. There's actually a great book. I'm going to try to have this author on the podcast. There's a great book called The Tactical Guide to Women. The Tactical Guide to Women. And that is from author Sean T. Smith. He's a doctorate in psychology. Sean T. Smith. I highly recommend this book. Like I said, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. And I highly recommend that you listen to that episode when we get him on here because it's going to be good stuff because it's going to go really deep into red flags and things like that. But yeah, you got to think about, is the woman mature? Is she responsible? Does she not play victim? We actually talk a lot about that in this little chat. I have a Jonathan coming up. So you're going to get a whole big idea here in terms of what it means to be playing the victim versus being responsible for your actions. So you got to you know, find out, is this woman being responsible for her actions or does she blame other people? Does she have any sort of bipolar or BPD that's borderline personality disorder or any other kind of depression and anxiety that she's not dealing with, that she's not trying to get fixed or have somewhat under control? Those are some more deeper red flags to look for, right? So there's a lot of stuff that you need to be aware of. And I know I just probably overwhelmed the hell out of you right here, giving you stuff about the three non-negotiables and the red flags, and there's a lot here. Well, we'll take it a quick step back, and at least you can hear Jonathan and I chat about what it means to start this process and to really look at it and be honest with ourselves about who we are starting to date and who we're starting to meet, okay? So... If you are interested in being able to find a quality woman, I suggest you keep on listening. So here it is. I'm talking to Jonathan about this stuff, and I think you're going to want to take some notes. All right, Jonathan. So I want you to start from the very beginning here so we can hear like a real-time experience of someone recognizing these red flags and and being able to kind of sift through whether this person might be right for you. So why don't you start from the beginning on, on even how you met this person? Let's come up with a fake name because I know we want to keep her anonymous. Uh, so let's just call her Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay. okay. So I'm Steph, I met, Steph for short. So we'll call her Steph. You, how did you meet Steph? I met Steph through a dating app, Tinder. And, and I'll be candid with you. I'm on all the apps. I'm on Bumble. I'm on Tinder. I'm on Hinge. I'm on the league. <laughs> and um, connected with this woman, Steph or Stephanie, on uh, Tinder. And what was interesting was she she wrote me a really nice first message. And what I liked about that was it got my attention. She wrote my name. She you know, like because your name is listed there. She asked me a really great great question. And she put a little cute, you know, emoji and it got my attention. So we interacted on a couple messages back and forth. I thought, wow, this is a cool chick. Plus, I liked the pictures, you know, I was attracted to her. And we then jumped on a telephone call. And oh, I know what happened. We were trying to arrange the date or something. Like we were trying to arrange the meeting via messaging, but something was off. She was busy one day. I was busy one day. And we finally ended up just getting on the phone talking. And she said, Hey, I'm, I'm really kind of busy, but I'm going to be in your neighborhood this day. Why don't we get together this day? And I'm like, great. Okay. And she goes, but let me touch base with you in the morning 
to firm it up. So I'm like, cool. And just because she wasn't sure where she was going to be. So I, I normally like to take charge in this particular case, but since I was kind of on her schedule, I thought, oh, I'm going to be okay because I, I didn't have a busy day. So we were going to meet on a Tuesday night. And she said, I'm going to touch base with you Tuesday morning. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to send her a little text message. Hey, good morning. You know, good morning. That was it. A couple hours go by, I don't hear from her. A couple more hours go by, I don't hear from her. I'm like, wow, I'm a little surprised. What's going on? A couple more hours go by, I don't hear nothing. Now it's nighttime. You know, I thought we were going to plan on getting together. Don't hear from her. Next thing I know, like one in the morning, I get a text message. And I'm already in bed. She goes, hey, it was a really crazy day. Things were happening at work. I didn't expect it to happen. My boss was this and blah, 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 and this and that. Um, she, she was apologetic. And she wrote me a message at one in the morning. And then I woke up to another text message, another apology. I'm like, okay, no big deal. You know, things happen. I'm a, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. And, she, and she's telling me how some things are happening with her work and stuff like that. She's, you know, we'll have to get together the following week. I'm like, no big deal, playing it cool. So then I get a message from her the following week saying, hey, can you talk on the phone? And we got on the phone. She was just being really sweet and apologetic. But then I started to notice something. She was telling me about her work and she was telling me about her friends and she was telling me about something else. And all it was was complaining. It was just one complaint after another. Now, it disguised, but it was disguised in like being vulnerable and authentic. And the reason why I say disguised was she felt like she wanted to share something vulnerable, but I could tell there was like a difference. Like to me, when someone's vulnerable, it's more of a reflection of like maybe like, oh, I was scared about something. You know, like it's a personal fear. But it was really more about complaining. Am I making sense at yeah, all? No, no, you are. I'm, I'm just right. listening. I'm thinking okay. she's... Okay. And, and which phone call is this? This was now the second phone call. Okay. And why are and, you doing a second phone call and not a date? Well, that was like what was well because she's she started to act wishy washy and she'd cancel on me. And I'm literally was about ready to write her off, but she wrote me a really apologetic text message. So I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, right? So then how did that turn into uh, another phone call instead of scheduling a well, time she, for you to? She reached out to me and said, Hey, can you talk on the phone? Gotcha. So I'm like, and I'm figuring at that point, I would be my chance to set up a date because. I'm a little old school. I mean, I grew up before there was text messaging. So for me, I actually prefer a telephone call to connect with someone. But during the call, she was first telling me why she, things were chaos. You know, like I'm hearing the word there's chaos going on in her life and lots busy, like busy. Like I want to hear the specifics. Like, Again, the details, like what's the chaos in her life? What are the issues? What are the complaints? Okay. All of it. So one was complaining about a friend who like let her down. And I'm holding space, like I'm being the masculine, I'm holding space, you know, for a woman in, in that sense of like a letting her vent a little bit. But then she started to complain about work and how the problems with her boss and her, and her boss is being kind of chauvinistic and being, you know, objectifying. And it was like starting to really, I'm, I'm starting to notice a pattern of complaining. Now, this is my perception. So anyone hearing this, you know, maybe 
you know, the actually, let me backtrack. The old Jonathan used to be incredibly sympathetic and want to fix things. Like my natural reaction was like to be sympathetic and to validate everything and to want to fix it. But I'm hearing is a pattern of drama. I'm just getting this sense that this person's living in a lot of drama. Because to me, when we own our own shit first and just say, hey, you know what? Like I'm going to own my stuff. And this like is happening. Instead, of, instead of playing victim. Exactly. I'm starting to feel victimhood. Hey, I've got this thing happen and my boss and this and my friend and this. And it's always somebody else's fault. I'm hearing it enough times and I'm feeling it in my bones. And again, the old me wants to fix things because I'm driven. The old Jonathan used to be driven by sex and I'm going to chase sex and you know figure, let everything else work out. But I'm like paying attention to the clues. And what I'm really getting at, Trip, it was just a turnoff. Like it wasn't like the conversation wasn't really, you know, like, hey, let's get to know each other and let's plan a date and let's meet. I even felt like she was blowing me off because I actually almost thought I'm I'm wondering if I'm even getting catfished in all of this, you know? Yeah, like because she's, she's like texting and talking to you, but not meeting up. Yeah, not meeting up. And you know what? And I've had this happen recently. I don't know what's going on. And it's never happened to me like this before. But I've had three women in the last couple months, all of a sudden, just like, will want to talk, but they won't schedule a date. And I'm like, fuck that shit. I want to, let's meet, let's, what's it, what you taught me, it is until it is. Is that what you taught me? Nothing is until it is, right? Yes. You know, I don't want anyone ever getting excited about, anything in their life until it's an actual fact and it's happening. So specifically to dating, the thing that you're looking for is you meeting them in person. So until that, right, nothing is until it is. So don't get excited by phone calls and text messages and her even sending you pics or whatever. Nothing is till it is. It's not going to be... Don't get excited unless you are sitting across Mm -hmm. from her. And even then, guys get really excited. But... You know, that does, a date doesn't mean you guys are going to be having sex. It doesn't mean that you guys are going to be in a relationship. Guys get really excited. So just try to play cool and be focused on the goal. And the goal in this case is to get her to meet up. When you're using online dating or even if you've met her in person, it's not a thing until you guys are across from each other. Yeah. And my sense is like if I met her, and I'm, I'm now, you know, like I'm not planning on it. But if I'd met her, my sense is like if I asked her about her past relationships, and this happens a lot. I'm, I'm going to give your listeners a clue. Like when somebody is sharing a story about their past relationship, if they're complaining, and I'm using the word complaining, but if they're they're sharing what happened and it's the other person's fault while the relationship didn't work out and they take no ownership on what happened with them, that to me is a red flag. Like, and so as the old, like the old me used to be very sympathetic and very, you know, supportive of someone. But I'm now recognizing when people don't take ownership on their part of what's happening in their life, like what happened with this woman, it's always, it was her boss and her friend and something about traffic and everything. It was like, like, where's your responsibility in any of this? That's what I want to hear. And you didn't because then you that helps me. You're a grown up in the conversation. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, those are 
Those are huge red flags. Also, yeah, man, just a turn off. Like, you know, listen, we all have days where we're going to be like complaining and people get in bad moods and all that. But to be doing that on the second phone call, to be doing that when you barely even know a person, it's like if they're doing that now, for sure they're doing that later. Unless it's some big coincidence yeah. that right now everything's falling apart. And yeah, that's just uh, it's a turnoff. It's a red flag. That's no good. It's good that is, what, is there anything else in there that you kind of heard or felt like you discovered that was also kind of just like iffy on who this person was? Well, I I, I think. You know, to me, when people say they're so busy that they can't do something. So when I didn't get a message in the morning, like even a text message, it's, you know, could have been a simple text message. Hey, look, things are crazy. I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. Right. And I got it well, you know, like, you know, 12 hours later kind of thing. I don't respect people that make excuses because the reality is, is my phone butt dials 10 times a day. You know, I mean, people can carve out one minute out of courtesy. And while, hey, look, at we're all going to have problems in our lives, but to me, it's a level of integrity. To me, it's a level of respect because if it was her boss, you know, or someone really important, there would have been a text, there would have been a message saying, I can't make it tonight. So I know it's a subtle thing, but it's, it's more begin to pay attention because character counts. And lately, we live in a world where it's so easy to dismiss a stranger. In fact, you know what? It kind of pisses me off about the online dating world is people treat people even worse than a stranger. Like I'm, I was at the grocery store, and the other day there was a woman. There was a woman in front of me that was a dollar short on her, you know, what she was buying. And I'm like, here's a buck. You know, she's a total stranger to me. But I was naturally going, hey, here's a dollar. I want to cover your bill. And she was so grateful, right? But in the online world, we don't even treat people as nice as strangers. <laughs> I know this is the problem because in the online world, you they're not a real person to you. This is what I try to yeah. tell people. It's like, it's so hard to make a real good connection unless you're in person with somebody. That's why guys are always saying to me, you know, what's a good text message to say? I have a client right now, by the way, I'm working with. And he says to me, he's showing me his text messages. And he goes, are these good? Are these good? And I say, why do you keep on texting her? And he goes, well, I feel like I need to keep up the conversation and, and you know, keep her interested in me. And I said, listen, you're going to get the girl interested in you when you're in person. We're not meant to connect over text message. That's not how our brains are wired because text messaging is, what, 30 years old? I'm, that's probably too much. Like 20 no, that's not old. even close. I think it's 20 years old. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it's like we weren't evolved to be connecting digitally like this. I mean, yes, it can happen a little bit. You get to know someone and yada, yada. I mean, you can make some jokes and laugh. Like It is possible in some ways. But it's never going to make that deep connection. So my point here is, is when you're starting and doing online dating, they don't feel that connection with you. You're not human to them yet. You're just another statistic. You're a picture, your words, you know, meaning like you're, you're a profile and a picture, and that's it. Now, of course, you get on the phone with someone, there's, there's a little bit more of a connection there. You can hear their voice and, and you're connecting a little bit more, but it's not the same thing as in person. So what happens is, this is just my theory. I just think that it's... Sure. 
so much easier to dismiss someone, to not care about someone, to flake on a date, to not respond to someone's text message, to say you're going to do one thing and then do another when you haven't even met the person yet and it isn't there. Now, listen, I'm not making that an excuse for her. I still think that this is red flaggish and that this woman may not be a great potential mate for you because the fact that she is doing that. It's not an excuse. It's just the kind of why. But still, hopefully, well, you know, you have someone who's going to put, be putting a little bit more effort in, at least to meet you. Well, to me, exactly. And and at first, you know, I'm I'm all about giving the benefit of the doubt, you know, and going, you, you know, you just never know and, and operating that way. But when you get one, two, and then three things start, you know, adding up. I'm going to be less enthusiastic. And, and my feeling right now is, hey, if we meet up, I, it's got to be at, at my convenience. You know, I'm not going to bend over backwards because I already have a red flag. And red, now red flag to me means ask questions, but I'm almost at the deal breaker point. Like it's not even worth it. So what do you think you'll do? Um, you know How what? Did the I'm conversation just end? You know what happened? I was being more, what's the word, uh, accommodating because I started to lose interest on the telephone call. And rather than being a dick or anything, I just, I was just really being accommodating on the phone call and being friendly. But, you know, my interest, like I'm already talking to three other women online. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, already, I'm on to the next one. <laughs> that, um, that's why I tell you, you I, I never get until you're in person. Exactly. And I think that's what we were really leaning into. And, and so, you know, and you know, I coach women on helping them understand men. And women obviously get a lot more attention than men. I mean, they get swiped on probably 10 times more than men do. But my philosophy is I call it three, two, one. You have three, at the most, three email or text message exchanges that should lead to at least one or two phone calls. In other words, the phone calls just to arrange the date. And I know you might guys arrange dates via text. I like to get on the phone partially to just create a little connection and a little familiarity before you meet. But sometimes the first phone call is the date. Like in my particular case, I was getting lots of clues on the, that first phone call. So if you get on the phone once or twice, so three, two, one, no more than three text message or email exchange, no more than two phone calls should lead to one date. And that should all happen in less than three weeks. I mean, it should happen way sooner than that. But don't don't let anything drag out. I know how many times I've let things drag out and like just move through the process quickly. You want to meet them as soon as possible. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, move through it as fast as possible. And, and I'm just going to add on to this too is don't treat any woman more special just because you're a little bit more interested or you are more attracted. Okay, I don't want any guys to be like, well, this girl, we really have a connection. She's beautiful. So I'm going to take her to a nice dinner versus, you know, let's say you had seven dates lined up. Are you going to take a girl to a nice dinner every single night? No, you're probably going to take know them to coffee. Don't change that. I don't want any guys to change up their their method of dating. There's no there's nothing to change. You shouldn't have to be different. Like, oh, she's a seven versus a ten. It's like, no. You know, people, you know, it's funny, guys always say, like, how come I always get like 
The sevens, not the tens. I'll tell you why. You're getting the sevens because you don't care and you're less nervous and it's less meaningful <laughs> to you. So you act different. And that's why. And then you end up trying harder for these tens. Do you remember the time a couple months back where you had to take me down the ledge? I, like, I sure I felt, <laughs> by the way, for you guys listening, there was a, I think it was back in October or, or, or I don't know how many months ago, but I was like, so strung out on some girl because her pictures were gorgeous. We had this four-hour telephone call that, and we had one back to like we had two back-to-back like four-hour telephone calls. And I'm ready to marry her. <laughs> and Trip, you kept saying it is. What, what is it again? Nothing it is, is until, until it is. Nothing is until and, it is. And why was that such a big lesson? Because what ended up happening? Oh my. God, because she ended up flake. She totally disappeared on me. I mean, totally disappeared. Yeah, I mean, and she had some things going on in her life. It was, oh, that's right. It was bad timing, yeah. but either way, it didn't yeah. doesn't matter what was going on in her life or what it is or who she is. The point is, is you got emotionally invested too fast. Do not yeah. get emotionally <laughs> invested because this can turn into nothing. Okay, nothing is until it is. That's why, guys. Yeah. Don't get too excited. And remember, if you're going to meet a girl, don't treat it anything different. Take her to coffee or get one drink and that's it. And try to do it as fast as possible. You know, and, and pay attention by the, but I'm all for paying attention between those who take responsibility for their choices and those that are pointing the finger at everyone else but themselves when things are going wrong in their life. Yeah, that's a good life lesson for any person, you know, not to play the victim. Because you know what? Just let's think about this logically, okay? Playing the victim doesn't do anything for you. It's not helpful to sit there and say, oh, this happens to me, this happens to me. It's like, okay, cool. So it's fine to vent if you need to get it out, if you want to tell a friend or you want to like, you know, if you have a journal and you're journaling, like whatever, but that's not going to do anything. My point is, is playing the victim is not going to do anything. What, no, what is going to do something? Figuring out the solution or figuring out the lesson so you can go, okay, this crappy thing happened. It's not something I liked. How can I fix it better? Basically, what I'm saying is you put yourself in the driver's seat. You take control so that that stuff doesn't have to happen again. And I get it. Sometimes there's nothing you can do and stuff happens to you. And yeah. there's almost nothing you could have done. It's just kind of a shit happens scenario. Well, there's yeah. a lesson in that. Be prepared for the shit happens scenario. Well, that's what I want. Whatever that means. Yeah, I, I was. Um, this was about a few months back. I was with my son. We went out to lunch, and I parked my car in this one place, and and I and I parked it a gazillion times, and it's it's an ill it's it was illegal where I parked. But there was no cars there anyway. It was a Sunday. And I parked my car. We went out to lunch. I came back. My car is gone. And I realized my car got towed, right? And I parked it a gazillion times there. And it's nothing's ever happened because I figured nobody, you know, checks it kind of thing. Anyways, long story short, we got my car back. And, and no, I realized... No parked there because everyone got towed. <laughs> Yeah, probably. But you know what? It was I. It was my fault. In other words, I got to take ownership of it. Of ownership of it. I did complain a little bit. I mean, I vented a little bit. But I'm like, I took ownership of it, and it turned out, you know, it was a fun 
adventure for my son and I because we first drove to the to the police department. Then they were closed. It was a Sunday. I mean, how it was literally the police department was closed on Sunday. This, or at least their reception area. I then drove to one place to think that's where my car was. It wasn't there. And I went to another place finally, but we made a great day out of it. My point is I could have blamed, you know, the, the, the parking sign. I could have blamed a lot of things, but I just say, Hey, it's on me. And the more I say it's on me, the less stressed I feel in life. Because when I found in the past, when I used to blame everybody but me, my life was filled with drama. And the minute at least I began taking true ownership of stuff that happened in my life, less drama was happening. That's and right. that was the lesson I learned. And so my suspicion is in this particular, and it's, by the way, it isn't just this woman. I, I've noticed this with a lot of women. This is, this is almost systemic, in, especially here in the United States, is this victim consciousness and when I hear it one time, I can dismiss it. When I hear it two times, I'm like, pay attention. But when I hear it three times, it's like, next. Yep. It's unattractive. Really. Yeah. Really. I mean, listen, and I hear it from guys yeah. too. I hear it from all over. Everyone's playing victim because it's easy. It's easy because it's hard. It's hard to take control and say, okay, there's because it hurts the ego, right? When you, when you admit that you did something wrong. Or is that something, you know, it's so much easier to just blame external sources. But no, come back to you. What I say to guys is, is there's also, you, you can get into a pickle here, right? You can play victim, or I should say no, the opposite. You get into a situation where you put it back on yourself in a way that's good. Like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? But sometimes that's tough for guys because that makes them feel crappy because that can hurt the ego too. So I tell guys, try to be more stoic about it. Don't look at it like, oh God, I'm such an idiot. Like, you know, even if you did something wrong, you're like, I'm an idiot. I always screw up. It's my fault. Da, da. No, just look at it and say, okay, what did I do wrong? How can I fix it for next time? Don't be so hard on yourself. Figure out why you did it and move on. So you should be a very quick process. No dwelling. What can I do better next time? What happened? Look at it more factually and take a little bit more of, of the emotion out of it so you're not beating yourself up about it. No, and, and the worst thing, you know, it's one thing when we blame someone else that I think that's a, you know, not a healthy way of approaching life. It's even worse when we beat ourselves up, when we self-crucify, when we self-attack, because it's literally saying to the little kid inside of us, you're worthless. And the little kid inside of us needs to feel like it's it's you know they're superman or super they're a superhero so how do we you know encourage the superhero in us is to not self deprecate not to self attack or at least do your best to avoid it and reinforce it with just loving yourself and i know that sounds corny but the most loving thing you can do to yourself is not to beat yourself up because that's a recipe for emotional disaster. So coming full circle, you know, it'd be nice if that woman that you were talking to was doing the same thing. But unfortunately not. And you're going to have to say, next. Yep. Cool. Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing this stuff. And thank you for always bringing me down the, off the ledge when you know, this you're happens. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> great to have you here. And, uh, and I think we can learn something from it. So thanks for sharing. Thank you. 